Hello and welcome to another episode of Business Bites. I'm your host, Gary Kelly, and today we are heading over to the fine state of Oregon, where I'm delighted to be joined online by Angela Tipton. Angela, thank you for joining me on the show today. Hi, Gary. It's nice to be here. Thank you for having me today. You have an amazing story, Angela, and I think anyone who is going through any difficulties or challenges in their life, whether it's health issues, financial issues, it could be parenting or motherhood, it could be finding your balance in life. There's so many challenges that you have faced so far in your journey in life, and I think people really get a lot of inspiration out of how you have handled those situations. But firstly, we'll go back to when you were 19 years of age, which I don't know how many years ago that was. <laughs> I'll let you decide if you want to reveal that information, but you are a mom of two boys now. And at 19 years of age, you were diagnosed with Crohn's disease. Talk to me about what is Crohn's disease and what are the symptoms that you had noticed that basically gave you that diagnosis? Yeah, happy to share. So Gary, for me, that was 17 years ago, which is hard to imagine. It's been that long. But yeah, back in the day when I got diagnosed with Crohn's disease, it was actually a bit of a relief. At the time, I experienced a lot of emotions, but I'd actually been having symptoms since I was 15. So I went undiagnosed for four years. And it was it was hard because I knew that something was wrong but I didn't know what. And it just, it didn't make sense. I was having abdominal pain. I was having to run to the bathroom very often. I was having trouble eating. I was losing drastic amounts of weight of sh- in short, short amounts of time. And it was a struggle. So when I finally got that diagnosis, it was, it was a relief, but it was also fear. I, I realized that this is something that, yes, I would live with for the rest of my life. And it was something I would always have to manage. And it's been a struggle. I've definitely had my ups and downs over the years. I've had periods where my health is great and I can hardly even tell that I have Crohn's and other times where I struggle and simply getting up in the morning itself can be a challenge. So how do you manage Crohn's disease? So a lot of different things that I do. So I'm on a routine treatment now. I have different medications and things I take. One of the key things for me that I started doing when I was young, when I was first diagnosed, is I started an infusion therapy called Remicade. And I've more or less been on it for the entirety of my life. So I go in every eight weeks and I get this infusion. And it generally helps me for the most part. Like I said, I've had my ups and downs over the years and, and I've had to learn to do better to take care of myself. For instance, I didn't always do a great job of taking care of my own mental health. And that's something I greatly prioritize now. It's not easy, especially being a mom and juggling so many demands, but I have learned the hard way that if I don't take care of myself, then my health does fall apart. And at that point, nothing else matters. When my health isn't there for me, I I can't do anything else. And is Crohn's disease then a genetic disease? It is. it's, It's genetic. It has genetic factors, but it also has environmental factors. So The exact cause isn't known. There's been a lot of research done on it. So there's all sorts of ideas about what causes it or what contributes to it. It's a type of inflammatory bowel disease. So Crohn's Crohn's disease is one of two that are known, at least to this day. And yes, it does have genetic factors, but it's not not just genetic. You really started to 
I suppose once you got a handle of living with Crohn's disease to focus on your career and focus on your health and your mental health and so on. And yeah, you've built up a career, but something that just stunned me because I think thankfully we don't have such a financial burden when it comes to third level education in Ireland. When you finished up college in the States, you had a debt of $85,000. Actually, it was more than that, Gary. It was only when it was $85,000 that I was able to actually tackle a lot of my student debt. I graduated by the time, so I got a master's degree. And by the time I finished my master's degree, I had nearly $100,000 of student debt. And that didn't account for what my husband had. By the time we were both done with our studies, thankfully, he didn't have nearly as much as I did, but we combined for about 130 or so. And this is after we'd been paying for it for a few years, at least from our undergraduate studies. So it was it was a lot. It's just a, it's a massive debt for people to have starting off in life. It's nearly like you go to college to end up in debt and then you work for the next 20, 30 years of your life to pay off that debt that got you that job to pay off that debt. You know, it's a very vicious circle. Yeah, it is. It's a struggle. And that's really how it is, or at least it historically has been in in the States. And I don't know how it got to this point, when it got to this point, but uh, it it became a norm, especially in the the day and age that I, I graduated from my undergraduate studies. Nowadays, thankfully, students are a lot more cautious about what they're doing. They're being a lot more thoughtful about whether or not they need college. But yeah, tuitions have just skyrocketed and become insanely expensive. It's it, it's hard to even imagine. I've heard stories of some of my friends where my debt pales in comparison to what they have, and I, I can, can't even imagine trying to tackle on that kind of debt. I know someone who has struggled to pay off a lot less of a debt for the past 20 years, but you managed to clear that remaining student debt of $85,000 in 18 months. How did you do that? Yeah, it, it was not easy. And uh, Gary, I can still remember to this day the moment that I decided that I was done and that I was going to commit to paying it off as quickly as possible. I was in our accountant's office. We were going over our taxes for the last year. And I don't know how it is in Ireland, but at least in the US, when you pay a certain man- amount into your student interest, you get to write that off on your taxes, which is great. It's helpful, but I remember looking down at the piece of paper I had that said how much I had paid in student interest alone, and it was $3,500, and that was just the interest. It was not what I had paid into the principal, and when I realized how much I was wasting on that, it stunned me. I realized I could have afforded to go on a cruise vacation with the money that I had put into my interest, and it was that moment that I realized I don't want to do this anymore. I can't keep playing this game. This is not a game I want to play. This is clearly a game I'm not going to win. So when I made that discovery, I realized I'm going to do whatever it takes. And yeah, it it was hard. It was painful. I took on a second job. My husband took on a second job. We cut back on our spending as much as we possibly could. And we threw as much money as we possibly could afford on a month-to-month basis just into our student debt. And that included months where at times we put, towards the end, as we finished it up, we would put $10,000 a month just into our our student loans to just get rid of them once and for all. So 
we we saved carefully. We cut back on our expenses and we committed to that and it did pay off. We we could have very easily not gone on that path and just trickle sitting in our trickle payments here and there. And and we would have been fine. We would have made it work, but I was committed to not paying all that money into interest and having that money just be out the window and gone. And it was hard. It was it was really difficult, but I'm so grateful that we were able to do that. Yeah, no, it's commendable. Fair play to you. But what was going on in the household during those 18 months? I mean, were you all aligned and positive and seeing the light at the end of the tunnel or was it causing friction and conflict at times? Yeah. And in all honesty, that was that period of time where my mental health absolutely declined. So it it, it did. It, it was a, a big sacrifice. So my husband and I were in pretty good alignment. We were committed to doing that, but it, it did definitely cause conflict. We had more disagreements about when or how we were going to make our payments or what we were going to spend our money on and so on. So yes, it, it did not come without sacrifice. How restricted did life get? Like what sort of way were you living that you were able to bank $10,000 a month? Yeah. So, I mean, we had a few things working in our favor. So, so for instance, a lot of this period of time took place over COVID. Not to say that COVID was a highlight for a lot of people, but it meant we weren't going out and doing a whole lot. We weren't going on vacation. We weren't going out to restaurants, things like that. We were largely staying at home and working and spending time as a family, which meant that, yeah, we didn't have big shopping trips. We didn't go out and eat at fancy restaurants and and things like that. So yes, we were able to cut back our lifestyle significantly and largely due to external factors that were already going on. So that definitely helped. Um, If it hadn't been for COVID, we would have had to have do do something similar to that in order to make those same kind of cutbacks. But yeah, we didn't go on vacation, didn't venture very far outside of our home, except for when we needed to for doctor's appointments or groceries or whatever else. And and so, yeah, we, we did have to make some pretty serious cutbacks. So you lived below your means. Today, are you living to your means or above your means? No, I uh, to this day, we still live below our means. And, and that is something that I have learned along the way can really help with your finances. So thankfully, to this day, our finances are in a much better place, but We've still developed habits that for us are very beneficial. And that does, yes, include living below our means. We have more flexibility now these days, now that our student loans are paid off. So our monthly obligation is much lower than it was, but we still live below our means. So for instance, we could afford a nicer house. And while we might eventually move into a different house, it's it's not a, a priority. We like having that lower cost of living, it means that we can put more money into our investments, into our savings, or you know, the occasional vacation here and there that we want to splurge on. So that's where we're at right now. But to me, it will always be important to live below my means. And I think that is something that it's hard. It, it requires discipline when you realize, oh, I have this much per month that you want to spend it. You want to go on a shopping trip. You want to enjoy yourself. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't. You should absolutely enjoy the money that you're earning. But do it carefully, diligently, be disciplined with how you're living. And in doing that, you can really set yourself up for much more success in the future. Yeah, I completely agree. Like this, there's two stories that spring out for me when you 
talk about living below your means. One is, um, I remember talking to someone before and they were given off about how things were so tight for them and that they needed a wage increase, you know, and they applied for an increase from their employer and they got it and they were delighted. And I met them again, maybe three months later, and they were given off again that things were really financially tight. And I said, but you had texted me to say that she got a wage increase. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm now kind of spending a few things more and I got this and I got that since and I got out a, a car so I'm on a PCP loan or something on the car and again a year later it was the same thing the person had gotten an increase in the wages but they'd also upped their standard of living and for me it's absolute madness because I think it's so important that we all should be living below our means not to our means or above our means which too many people are doing and getting trapped and it's it was almost like the the problem was the employer the the company you work for they were at fault because he wasn't living to the means that he wanted to live to and then when he he did get an extra increase in his wages again the employer was at fault because he wasn't getting to have the and it was just it was so uh, obscured and then the other thing that sticks out for me is you know like we live a very simple life my my wife my family we don't live in a big mansion we very much try to live below our means as well but what that sort of lifestyle and attitude and not caring about what the joneses think it has allowed us then to go on sporadic little vacations together or go out for dinner when we don't plan to midweek and i think gives you more freedom to make choices because you're not just worrying about meeting your debt every every month. I absolutely agree with you, Gary. I, and I think this is an easy trap that we fall into. And, and it it is hard. It, it does require discipline. You realize that, oh, I have so much that I can spend. Yeah, you do. But if you're going to spend at your means or above your means, you are going to keep yourself in this vicious cycle that is just really hard to break. And I, I see people do it all the time, every day. In fact, I would say that's more the standard and living below your means is is not the norm, but it's much for me, more freeing way to live. I feel like I have so much more freedom. For instance, if if something happens to us financially, if someone, you know, God forbid someone ends up in the hospital, someone gets sick, we lose a job, whatever, we're gonna be okay. That that is not gonna break us. We we can live with that. We can adjust for that. It might set us back a little bit, depending on how bad it is. But you know, we we can catch back up. And for me, that is so much more freedom that is far more worth it than keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah, if you keep up with the Joneses, you'll you'll always be trying to catch up. And and that's something else I've learned is that you're always gonna find someone that's better off if you can constantly compare yourself to others. Yeah, someone else is going to have more money. Someone's going to have a nicer car, a nicer house. It will never end. But you have to decide for yourself that this is what I'm happy with. This is where I'm willing to splurge. And and like I said, you, you don't have to cut back on everything. You don't have to live off beans and rice forever. But be conscious about what you're splurging on and be mindful about where you want to save and where you might want to invest and have a better savings that can help you adjust for those financial emergencies might come up and you'll have so much more freedom in doing that. And to me, that's a much healthier, happier lifestyle. And I'm much happier to live that way. That freedom alone is significantly worth it. 
100%. And it's almost like we're being tricked into thinking that, you know, you need the white picket fence and the house and the hill and the fancy new car and uh, the latest watch and latest phone to almost prove that you are successful. Yeah. Yeah. I I wish I knew where that came from. I, I think it's just, I don't know, culture. And I know a big thing in American culture is you got to have, you know, your half a dozen credit cards at least. And it's very normal to carry credit card debt. But when you actually look at what that interest is costing you, those interest rates can go up to 30%. That's a lot. And if you have if you carry a credit card balance of even a small balance, $100 a month, I mean, that that adds up quickly and it compounds. And it just it costs so much to do that. And to me, that's that's not the kind of lifestyle I want. That is me living in chains. And and I don't want that. I, I want to live with the freedom that I have. To me, there's so much more joy. I feel so much less stress with my finances, with being able to live that way. It's, yeah, I don't want to live with that kind of debt. It, it just costs and it doesn't stop costing. I, I think one of the things I've learned too is that I don't think a lot of people actually sit down and look at what that interest is costing them. And I think one part of it is because it, it is scary. It's it's disappointing. It's discouraging. And, and I totally get that. And I found myself in the same position as well when I looked at my student debt and I realized how much that was costing me. But that was also my wake-up call. That was my moment of realizing that I don't want to live this way anymore. I can make a change and I will make a change. And so I think one of the most important things is to just look at it as much as it scares you. Look at it. Don't be afraid. It can get better, but you can't make changes without having that awareness first. Yeah, like I used to teach in a university here in Galway in the west of Ireland, and it was a master's course. And one of the modules I was covering was business and accountancy. And on day one, I would ask the students, how much money did you spend this month on entertainment, like going to the cinema? How much money did you spend on food? How much money did you spend on your rent, car? Write it all down and no one could fill it out. And I said, exactly. You don't know how much money you're spending. So I get them to collect all the receipts. They, they hated me for it. They'd have to collect receipts for every <laughs> transaction that they made for, I think it was, it was two weeks. And they were amazed at where the money was going. And I said, now you have empowered yourself to make proper decisions regarding your finances. And they did see things that they were doing wrong and they saw that there was areas where they could spend a little more. But it's kind of money in, money out type of system that people are living, really not cataloging uh, where the money's going. But what I love about you, Angela, is you've kind of, there's, there's two really key areas for me that stand out with what you're doing. You're helping people focus on financial freedom through their careers and we'll get into that shortly but also it's called work-life balance at times and, and people think oh you know that's a generation z sort of attitude or something like that but it is that whole thing of just not working yourself into the ground so much that it's affecting your health but you're actually enjoying life by doing things that are enjoyable and that are healthy like you love yoga you love running you love traveling spending time with your family and these are the things we, sh we shouldn't be falling for the thing of just working till our death. So talk to me firstly about fireyourcareer.com, which is the financial freedom website. Yeah. So uh, Gary, I appreciate you bringing that up. So 
that's a website that I use to teach people how to achieve financial freedom through their careers. And I, I teach people through the, the methods that I followed. And it actually can be really simple. It's about building a successful career. And that doesn't mean you have to have a senior executive career. You can have a, a career that you're very happy with, that you're making an income that you're very satisfied with. And you can use your career to achieve financial freedom. And what you do is you build up your income and your career in a way that makes you satisfied. And then over time, you live below your means or you learn to live below your means. When you're early on starting your career, you may not be able to do that right away. And that's understandable. But as your career grows, you increase your income and you can put more down into savings, into investments and so on. And the idea, of course, is that you do that over time. You can continue building your career, but you save enough and you invest enough that if you prefer and would like to, you can actually begin to live off of your investments and you can retire early if you want. I'm very much a fan of the FIRE movement, which is what I follow with my finances. And while I have not retired early, I have been able to take long amounts of time off. I took this entire summer to just spend with my children. And it was amazing. And I've been able to acquire that level of freedom over my life because of the methods that I've followed. So I teach people to do the same thing that I've already been able to do on my website so they can achieve that level of financial freedom over their own life. And I have found in my own life and, and for others as well that I've spoken to that that level of freedom just gives you so much more joy you can spend more time with your family, with your loved ones, on hobbies, building a side hustle, traveling, investing in whatever other ventures are exciting and interesting to you in that moment. And that is an amazing experience. I, I get really excited about empowering people to do that because I truly believe that if you can live the life of your dreams, you can have a better impact on the world. And so I think everyone deserves that. Everyone should be able to have that level of freedom over your life, but it doesn't come easy. It does require sacrifice. It requires discipline and it requires a lot of mindfulness in order to make that happen. So it's not going to happen passively without you actively working on it. But what I aim to do is provide people with the tips and tools and tricks that they can use to achieve that level of financial freedom over their life so that if they want, they can retire early or they can, can continue working in their own career for as long as they're happy with. But that doesn't mean you have to keep working until the ripe old age of 65 or, or above in a lot of cases. I, I see too many people that get to the age of retirement that are just tired, that they wish they could have retired a decade earlier. And it is feasible, but not without sacrifice and diligence. So that and that's what I want to do is help more people live the life of their dreams, live life on their terms. I think that's so important. I wonder what sort of world we would live in if people actually did have more time for each other and were less stressed and were more healthy. I wonder the same, Gary. And, and that's what makes me really passionate about what I do at Fire Your Career. I, I want to empower more people to live that way. We tend to live in, yes, a very stressed world where people are busy going from A to Z and they're so busy throughout the day, they hardly even have a moment to step away and, and drink a cup, cup of coffee or have a conversation with someone. But yeah, what, what if the world could change? What if 
we had more freedom, we had more flexibility? What if we were able to break away from those chains of debt that just burden us and weigh us down and cause us so much stress? I I think that the world as a whole would be so much better. The people would be happier. They would have more positive interactions with each other, light up more people. I think of going to a restaurant and seeing more people that are just not as stressed out as you often see people on a day-by-day basis. I think the world would be a much better place. But that's my opinion. And you mentioned with the money you're saving, you can invest. What sort of areas would you encourage people or advise people to invest in? Yeah, so I'll, I'll preface this with saying that I am not an accredited financial advisor. However, I am more than happy to share the strategies that I use for investing. When I first started out, I started investing in index funds. I do not use your traditional managed mutual funds, which a lot of people tend to rely on. I like index funds because they're very low cost and they follow the market. For instance, you can follow in, in the US, you can follow the S&P 500, which is some of the 500 top performing companies in the index. And I like using those kinds of strategies. I focus on index funds. A vast majority of what I put into my investment dollars are for index funds. But I also like to pick company stocks. And it's a bit of a hobby for me. I like to pick stocks here and there for individual companies that I think are going to perform well, that I know really well. Um, It's just something that I enjoy doing. It's, for me, a bit of a game to see, okay, am I right in guessing that this company is going to perform well. And I'm not always right. And that's okay. I only invest what I can afford to lose. And that's my mindset is that the money that I'm putting in, okay, I can afford to lose it. However, I do put a vast majority of my investments into index funds, which are safer than individual company stocks, for instance. Okay, very good. So if someone was to go to the website fireyourcareer.com, what should they expect when they land on that website? Yeah. So what I recommend is actually starting with, I have a a free ebook, which is a great handy, just really simple guide to seven ways to fire your career. And you can grab that ebook at fireyourcareer.com slash ebook. So I would start there. That really has some really simple ways that you can get started. If you've already dove into that one, that has some really great links to specific articles that will tell you exactly what to do in each of those steps. You can also go to the Start Here page. It has, if you're looking for something really specific, like you want to know more about investing, for instance, you can go to the Start Here page on my website and just focus on the topics that are about investing, if that's what you want to learn about. If you're more focused on building your career, you can start with those. So it's really catered to different people based on what they're looking for. There's different places, different focus areas that I dive into that are all designed to provide all sorts of resources to help people wherever they're at. Well, continued success with what you're doing. I, th- I think it's so important for someone who has seen the benefits of creating financial freedom for themselves and for their family, that they're putting even more energy into helping open up other people's minds to see what they can do in their own lives as well. Because I do think if anyone is going for a walk at the moment, driving, wherever you're listening to this podcast, ask yourself, where are you in terms of living to your means? Are you on the line, below the line or above the line? And what changes can you make? But if you need help, advice, direction, fireyourcareer.com forward slash ebook, avail of the information that Angela is giving out there for free and then see what journey you decide to go on. Angela, thank you so, so much for joining me on today's podcast. 
Thank you, Gary. It's been a pleasure to speak with you. Appreciate being here.